The Power of Sound, a Monocle 24 collaboration with KEF. Hi, I'm Johnny Byrne. I'm a film sound designer, sound editor and sound mixer. A sound designer in the film world tends to be the person who's in charge of how the film uses sound, how it uses sound to steer the narrative and the emotional content and the choices of how that sound is recorded and even how it's played back to the point of how you would experience that in a cinema. My early interest in sound was, I used to love the sounds of Motown and music as kids do. And then I was a sort of product of the 80s. And I think um, I really enjoyed the early hip hop and the way that I could tell the kind of production values on that were, were really interesting. Eric B and Rakim and all sorts of, you know, it was a real new wave of music happening with a modernity about it and a, and a technical aspect that really appealed to me. And then there was a particular incident when I was in my mid-teens that I think really changed things. I was, I'd been out for a run and um, I came back and I was quite thirsty and I got this um, plastic Evian bottle and I wedged it under a tap to, to fill it up and then I got distracted. I think the doorbell must have rung or something. But when I came back, it was about an hour later and as soon as I walked in the kitchen, I thought, that's weird, you know, I, I'm sure I left that tap running. With, you know, why isn't... And I looked at the bottle and it was only half full and I, I kind of walked over and as I put my hand up to the tap, the bottle exploded. And I was covered in water and bits of plastic. And then I suddenly realised after 10 seconds or something, you know, in the shock of what had happened, that I couldn't hear the tap running at all. And then I was sort of started panic and I thought, wow, I'm completely deaf. And I went up to my bedroom and I put my sound system on. I felt the speakers and I could feel them, you know, the sound, the vibration, but I couldn't hear, not a sausage. And that went on for fortunately about 20 minutes. And then slowly my hearing came back, you know, and, and ever since then I was like, my goodness, hearing is important. <laughs> you need to treasure that. And so I think from then I was always really interested in sound. When I was 13, I had, I got a record player for Christmas and I got another record player and put it next to it and started mixing records without like an actual mixing deck in between. I just used a volume on each one. And that was my first memory of speakers, but the, but the speakers were very terrible and boxy sounding. And then it wasn't until seven years later when I got a job in a recording studio in London and it was, you know, kind of half a million pound room with... 50,000 pound speakers and I was absolutely blown away by you know it was like someone had taken earplugs out of my ears you know what you can actually hear extraordinary isn't it it's kind of what you can hear in a, in a really good cinema or or through an incredibly good pair of headphones you work on a kind of a modern drama say you know not a period piece something set in a, a cafe a restaurant or a park or whatever then it has to have birds tweeting and it has to have people in the backgrounds and um, and it's actually I think that's the 
sort of niche that I tend to work in is I love to use the opportunity of using real world sounds but to give them a slight twist to them so that they do actually heighten the immersion and kind of deepen the the narrative or the, the emotional response. spent about three months going through different uh, recordings that I had and recording things around the house and finding the kind of critical frequency that everything had like so if you sort of move a chair it would rattle a bit and squeak and there would be a particular pitch to it that was the dominant sound and it got to the point where even when I'd stopped doing that if I turn the tap on I'd then hear it as music like literally it was like a brain reprogramming You know they say if you if you lie on the edge of your sofa and watch TV upside down for a couple of days and eventually your brain will sort of figure it out and put the image the right way up for you. I think in the same way I got to the point of finding the specific musical frequency in everything that when I stopped technically manipulating it my brain just carried on doing it and it's quite disturbing and went on for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I mean, I, I go on holiday with a microphone, much to my wife and family's amusement. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really enjoy exploring new sound environments, definitely. I think um, my favourite would definitely be going on a skiing holiday and the, you know, the silence and the absence of sound when you're in a snowy mountain, because it, snow is such a sort of deadening thing, that allows the, the singular events that you do here to become so precise and, and you know definitive that you just think wow that's great and I always think god every film should be like that and it always reminds me that the you know the crucial thing about sound in a film is it should just be really singular choices bold choices not not sort of smorgasbords all over the place of, of different blended sounds but, but um, cleverly chosen stuff Whenever I watch the films that I really appreciate the sound in it, the sound always tends to be just a really well-chosen recording that is really well-placed, really well-edited, and really well-you know envisaged. The learning curve of a of a young sound designer is is to think that a scene might need a, a blend of a lot of different sounds and a bit of that, like standing back from a like a painter standing back from an easel and giving another dab with a different colour on over the same spot. It's more about stark, bold choices that are pleasing to the ear. In general, people want to hear one thing, and that's the focus. And, and if you strip the thought process down to the essence of what would make a scene work really well, well, it's, it's, it'll be one particular sound at any particular point that will be driving the narrative of the story. And quite often I'll start a scene and have the atmosphere and someone's footsteps and the dialogue all reasonably loud, and then for two or three seconds you hear that, and then I'll sneak it away because the kind of background sound becomes less important the air the air would filter it out naturally anyway in, in a normal situation so you sort of redact as the scene goes on and then point your ear at one thing and then another thing i remember um, the director yorgos lanthimos telling me that he when he sets up a camera he likes every single shot 
to, to pretty much tell the story in some way of what that scene is doing. And that kind of made me think, yeah, should be doing that in sound really as well. Um, the first film that I worked on was a film called Birth by the director Jonathan Glazer. I was very delighted to be asked to work on it, but I'd never worked on a film before. And my first attempts at um, putting sound to the very rough cut were um, noisy, shall we say. And um, we did a screening of it, and I think for, at the end of two hours, everyone walked out and said it was the noisiest, sort of uh, loudest, um, over-the-top sound thing they've ever heard. And I had to then go and um, learn more about how to actually, you know, what the what the process of putting sound on film was and, and that was um uh, yeah quite a learning curve for me so yeah i think the more the older i get the less sound i want to put on film yeah musicality is very important in in sound and i think pretty much everything has a kind of inherent musical musicality to it that is there to be coaxed out should you want to find it you know, with, with quite a lot of the things that I work on, if I put a wind on, I'll, you know, if, if there's a scene and there's some trees moving, then you could have a kind of wind. But if the music has just finished on a particular note, then you can find that frequency in the wind and make the kind of that there become and you spike that particular frequency in the wind and as the music ends the wind will then pick up where the, where the music sort of left off and soften the, the you know the edge of, of a filmic juncture kind of thing for me it's very important that that a film works cohesively and that you know a film is attempting to be a reality but in some ways it's a, a suspension of reality and it's a dramatization mostly and so to let the musicality of the actual score pervade into the room tones and the rhythms of people's footsteps and everything is no bad thing isn't it funny how sound really is so characterful isn't it and it really is like it's like a sort of um fingerprint for everything isn't it it's everything is there's actually an awful lot of different sound out there. And if you stand in like a busy shopping centre street or something, you'll, you'll hear a bus with like wailing brakes and hissing brakes. You'll hear a baby crying. You'll hear someone on a bicycle shouting. You'll, you know, all these, like, you know, it's exciting, isn't it? It's kind of, there's so much going on. <laughs> I love walking around with a, a really good pair of headphones that kind of block out all the other sound and then a very directional microphone and you, you can, you can just sort of sweep around and point it and it's like you've suddenly got like an x-ray vision, you know, you can hear something 50 feet away that you were never going to hear otherwise. I introduced my children to that one sunny summer's day a few years ago, you know, wandering around in nature with a headphone and going right up to it, you know, with a microphone going right up to a bee and suddenly you hear this kind of boom you know it's like a sort of rocket ship when it's that kind of loud it's brilliant yeah very exciting for kids as well 
Sound definitely has some kind of hot wire to the senses and the emotions through some sort of nostalgia link that other senses simply just don't have. I mean, if you can look at a photo of when you were younger and, and it will make you go, oh, you know, that look, I've got long hair or, you know, one of those things. But if you actually hear a piece of music that you were dancing around to when you were, you know, 20 years ago or something, then you are literally back there for a minute. You know, you, you, all the memories come back. And I'm not sure what that is. I mean, I think it's, um, they've, they've done brain scans where they show people images and they play them sounds and, and the brain is way more activated in different areas when people listen to something and it's something to do with the physicality of moving to music and the memory of that as well as um, just the fact that, that for some reason sound maps to many different more locations in memory than uh, you know than, than certainly touch and vision do and I think sense of smell has a almost similarly powerful link to nostalgia and emotion that sound does but I think sound for me is really the only one that actually can actually draw a tear from you for you know can really really just make you experience the exact same emotions you were when the last time you heard that bird that song you know that that beautiful bit of sea that you recorded on holiday or whatever it's it's very strange what is that I have no idea <laughs> 